The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Mark Twain once said, History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Distrustful of authority, tonight's special guest, a Holocaust survivor, became a fierce critic of the medical establishment. She's one of the most effective and passionate, some would say extreme advocates for the rights of medical research subjects in the U.S. She has exposed experiments testing HIV drugs on toddlers in New York's foster care system and helped scuttle government research that would have paid low-income Florida families $970 to test their children's exposure to household pesticides. She helped pressure the National Institutes of Mental Health to rewrite protocols and dozens of psychiatric studies to better protect patients. And her relentless advocacy was key to forcing U.S. drug regulators to warn about the suicide risk that antidepressants pose to teenagers. For years, she sent out a nearly daily barrage of emails to thousands of journalists, activists, and scientists accusing academic researchers, pharmaceutical executives, and drug regulators of manipulating research findings or failing to protect patients. Being a Holocaust survivor gives her the unique perspective to identify the parallels we are seeing today. We still have time to remain free. If you want to know, stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Vera Sharaf is a public advocate for human rights. Their odyssey as a child survivor gave her insight about the consequences that follow when medicine marches in lockstep with government. That unholy alliance has led to the adoption of public health policies that violate the autonomy and human rights of individuals. Vera is the founder and president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection, AHRP, whose mission is to uphold the humanitarian values and ethical standards of medicine and the universal human right to voluntary, informed consent to medical decision-making. Vera has testified before public policy advisory forums, including the FDA, the National Academy of Science, and the Institute of Medicine. She testified against exposure of children in experiments that put them at risk of harm, against mass mental screening of children, which served as a market expansion tactic to increase the use of psychiatric drugs. She testified against human pesticide experiments sponsored by Bayer Corp. Science. Her advocacy was instrumental in the suspension of a government pesticide experiment in young children called CHEERS, the suspension of smallpox vaccine tests on children and anthrax vaccine tests in children. Her complaints led to the suspension of a violence prediction experiment in which 6- to 11-year-old boys in New York City 
who were exposed to flamfluramine, fenfen, a dangerous drug that was later recalled by the FDA. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. And her website is ahrp.org, which is also linked at ours. And direct from New York City, I would like to welcome Vera Sharaf. Hello, Vera, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you very much for inviting me. I am honored. Thank you for being here with me. Vera, I want to start with your story. Your world collapsed when you were three and a half years old in Romania. Let's begin from there. Yeah, that's that's when we were uh, chased away from our home and uh, deported to Ukraine. Uh, we were herded into a concentration camp there. This was not a death camp. This was one of, oh gosh, they were, most recently they've counted more than 42,000 concentration camps and ghettos, various kinds, were scattered throughout Europe. This camp was essentially um, a starvation camp because there was nothing provided. Uh, and of course, um, Typhus was rampant, as it was in all the ghettos and concentration camps, given that there was, people were starving, people had no hygienic facilities, everything was filthy. So, of course, lice were all over the place. Uh, I learned a great deal uh, in hindsight. I, For one thing, I learned about the reality and the nature of evil. Uh, I learned about living under constant fear, because although it wasn't a death camp, death was all around. Um, people were always afraid of being sent, of being put on a list. There were constant lists issued. And if you were on a list, some of the lists were for slave labor and others for uh, death camp. Uh, once my father died, I was maybe five, I'm not really sure exactly, um, that made me far, far more afraid, because I was afraid then of losing my mother. Um, and there was a an orphanage, and every so often they would take them out, and this those children were like the skeletons that many of you might have seen in pictures. It was, I was terrified. I would run and hide because I was always afraid that I'd be sent to that. Um, you know, uh, not everyone, you know, who was in the camp, uh, was a good person. People, one of the things that I learned eventually was, especially when I actually was rescued from the camp. I was rescued because my mother got wind of the fact that there was a possibility uh, of orphan children being rescued. This was very late in the game. This was when the final solution was in full swing in 1944. Uh, some deal was struck. Essentially, we were bartered. I'm not sure who exactly which organizations paid the ransom, 
but a ransom was paid for several hundred Jewish children in 44 to be rescued, to be not exterminated. So my mother lied to save my life. Um, and then for the next 10 months, I was essentially a child in transit with no one to take care of me. Uh, I did not trust uh, my peers, in other words, other children, uh, to take care of me. I knew I couldn't take care of myself. I was very little. I hardly grew in the camp. I was there for three years, and I left wearing the same coat that I went in with. This is in Istanbul now? No, not yet. Okay. This is still, in other words, we were sent, those of us from the camp that I was in, we were sent back to Romania. And it was a ruse. It was, uh, they claimed that they had made a mistake and that we, the children, should really not have been sent to the camp. Well, this was nonsense, but that was the ruse. So we were sent back to Romania, where we came from. Um, I, during this time, I had to fend for myself, and I, I had to learn to assess people um, and to assess who would be kind and whom I could trust to take care of me. I found, I did find people who helped me. There was a Christian family, Romanian Christian family, who took me into their home and nursed me back to health. I was with them for a few months. Uh, I was a wandering child. <laughs> um, I was, in, at one point, when I left that family, that kind Christian family, um, I had an uncle, a rich uncle, in Bucharest. That's That was the capital. And he and his family had converted in, in order to avoid being sent uh, to any camp. He sent a car with a chauffeur to pick me up when he learned of my existence that I was wandering. Uh, and the strangest thing was that I was in a car and there were two German soldiers who were my companions in the car. And I had to, you know, I lied that I was a Romanian little girl who was just visiting my cousin and going back home. And... Uh, yeah, you, one of the things you do learn is both how to lie, the importance of, you know, sometimes lying to save your life. Is Survival, very, yeah. Very important. Um, but you see, later on, you know, some of those, shall I say, habits, you know, it's really uh, survival techniques. Uh, they don't, <laughs> they don't, they're not exactly acceptable in <laughs> In normal society, you know, <laughs> one had to unlearn some things. But anyway, be that as it may, I, so I stayed with my uncle uh, and his family. Um, 
also for about three months. And then I was en route uh, to Israel. This was, of course, before the state was established. It was 1944. And on the train from Bucharest to the harbor city of Constanza, I befriended a family. Again, I latched on to a family. They were also en route to Israel. When we got there, there were three small boats, and the names began to be called off, and each one was assigned to a boat. I was assigned to the boat with all the orphan children. I absolutely refused to get on that boat. No matter what, I refused. I cried. I screamed. I, I had a you know real temper tantrum about it because I was not going on that boat no matter what. And, uh, you know, I wound up alone at the dock there sitting on my little suitcase. Everybody else had already embarked. They were all waiting and yelling at me to get, I wouldn't, no matter what. And uh, in the end, they actually gave in to me. And I went on the boat with the family that I had selected as my uh, guardians. The first night out at sea, I was asleep by then. I had been very seasick, and I slept at night. So I didn't witness uh, but a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. Uh, I learned about it only the next morning when people were still very upset. And I didn't say a word, not one word. I just thought to myself, I was right. I also do remember having a pang of guilt. I felt guilty because I was glad to be alive. But that act of disobedience saved my life. And I tell you that that whole incident came, you know, flashing back in my memory now during this travesty that we're going through. Now, what is the parallel of that is event and what we're seeing today? Well, no, the parallels are the various stages that led up uh, to the different stages of the Holocaust. You see, a lot of people simply equate uh, the whole World War II with Auschwitz, but that's not that's not correct. Hitler came to power in 1933. The extermination of the Jews, which is the Holocaust, didn't start before 41. So there were a lot of stages to the dictatorship, and it was slow. In part, Hitler tested the waters. Had there been an outcry in the world, had there been some intervention, it wouldn't have happened. The Holocaust happened because the world was silent. Do you think, Vera, that if we have had the Internet back in those days, it would still have happened? And I say that it probably would have because based on what I see today, with the Internet that we have, people are still obedient. It's almost like we haven't learned from history. 
Well, that's that's probably the. I mean, that is really the issue. The the the, the education on lack of it. So when you say the internet, yes, you would think that with the exposure and the availability of information, all kinds of sources of information, not only the official, it's really terrible that people aren't seeking the information and swallowing the party line, the official government corporate line. That is, it's amazing. And it's, look, in part, this is why I am speaking out wherever wherever I'm invited, pretty much, because I think it's terribly important for people to recognize the signs, the similarities, parallels, whatever you want to call it, but they exist, and history is what alerts us to it. The reason I'm aware of it, that my eyes are open, is because I've gone through it, and at least some of it. And I recognize the signs that, you know, that unravel, that become this proverbial slippery slope. It's much easier to stop an evil machinery from gaining uh, impact and, and, and full development. It's much easier to stop it early, just like a disease. Much easier. But if you go to, uh, the extreme, it's, it's inevitable. If, if you have, and they're not stopped, they're only emboldened to increase their tyrannical, uh, dictatorship to take away more and more of people's rights and freedoms. I saw a quote that I keep repeating in the past few weeks, Vera. It's by uh, Mark Twain. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. In medieval times, lepers were blamed for spreading disease. And during the Holocaust, Jews were blamed for spreading disease. Now the unvaccinated are blamed, blamed for spreading uh, COVID. Do we ever learn from history? Well, if, you, if people would study history, they would learn. And let me say something else about that, because not only have people not tended to take history seriously as a lesson, things to learn from history, not a story. Uh, this is playing out right now with people who mention, who utter the idea that there are parallels in what's happening now with what and how the Holocaust evolved, they are being hounded and censored and demonized. And this is something, so first of all, as, you know, as a reporter, you know, that if a subject is taboo, it means that there, there are hidden meanings there that they don't want you to unravel. And this is what has happened with Holocaust. There are these self-anointed guardians who want to keep the Holocaust away from any discussion. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.